Hello and welcome to Allocated. Today we have Paul Spinella on episode 13 today. Paul, you are back from episode one. How's it going, man? Lucky number 13, man. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, not too bad. It's getting cold in Iowa. It's like 35 degrees tonight. It's, it's a little different. I mean, I was cold. It, it was. I actually have my heater on in my second bedroom here, so it's a little bit different. First time I put it on since last winter. Yeah, same. I think we were like sub 90 two days ago. I don't know what it was I know, like right? you, but yeah. Yeah. What a it's, tease. It's freaking crazy. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> and I'd like to thank you for coming back. It's uh, We've had 12 wonderful episodes, well, 11 wonderful episodes since you've been there. And your episode was, um, is love an emotion or a choice? And today your episode is, it's a bit different. It's a little bit different from your last one, uh, writing to heal. And for people who may have uh, not caught your first episode, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're about? Yeah. Uh, so first and foremost, father of two. Uh, very grateful to say that. Um, I earned my master's in psychology and positive psychology this this December, wrap up in November, graduate in December. Um, so I have just about six weeks left, which is crazy to say. It's been a long journey getting here. Uh, um, writer and aspiring author and uh part-time coach so gotcha and you you said you're a love and relationship coach right yes thank you yes love and rela- relationship coach uh, essentially um any individual that is having difficulty with relationships um in any realm intimate personal interpersonal right uh or individuals just navigating heartbreak gotcha Right on, man. That's uh, that's good to hear. I remember you talked about that a little bit in your first episode, and um, today, like I said, it's uh, we're talking about writing to heal, and we're just gonna we're just gonna dive right in. We're just gonna go head first, and um, a little bit of a backstory too. How I found you was um, originally from Instagram, and it's kind of funny. This is what our our topic is: is writing to heal, because that's a lot of what you post on your social media, and you're very talented writer, and um. I enjoy what you're posting. So it's kind of cool getting your perspective on all these questions I have here because some of them, I have no idea what they mean, but I'm put them down anyways because I figured you have, you might have an idea. Um, first, can you uh, share your personal journey on how you discovered the healing power of creative writing? Yeah. <clears throat> um, I wasn't sure where that was going to go with, with that tee up. Uh, but yeah, right. absolutely. I've always been a creative soul uh, for as far back as I can remember. Uh, writing for me started actually uh, through inspiration of my grandmother. She, oh. yeah, uh, she was a secretary for a doctor's office for for many many years, um, and she she and I developed this secret code. So we start. She would write on a typewriter, right? <clears throat> I'm yeah. kind of dating myself here, <laughs> uh, but she would write me uh, or, or you know type out little, little notes. And then whenever I would see her, she would hand me the notes and I'd go back and get our secret, you know, decoder and, and I would write her notes. Uh, and then she was just a a great encourager and supporter. Um, my parents, especially my dad, always pushed reading, uh, but my Mm. grandma made it fun. And so she, she would get me all sorts of fun and creative books, uh, including, uh, where the sidewalk ends. Uh, Yes, such a fantastic one, and uh, and so I discovered poetry, and then I started writing. And in sixth sixth grade, uh, I got a poem published in a book called The Young Poets of New Jersey. And um, and then in high school, I realized that poetry could be music, and mm. found creative creative outlet through through that form of artistry uh, in and out of bands playing various instruments, writing various songs. And then when college hit, uh, my first degree was in, in music theory and composition and was very blessed to have spent about, gosh, six years uh, in the music space um, as a producer and engineer and even touring and doing front of house. And then I decided I had to grow up. And at that point, I was like mid-20s and was dating someone who was also pursuing a career in the music space and uh, wrote a lot. And uh, that relationship in particular, uh, writing was an outlet for me, especially when I was struggling with words um, or struggling with my emotions and my thoughts. And then fast forward uh, to this season of life, 
uh, a couple years ago. You'll you'll note some themes here. A couple years ago, uh, I was navigating the ending of, of a relationship, and my therapist encouraged me to write letters. And um, in my best ability to recount, to storytell, you know what went wrong. Uh, I had this innate desire to want to own what went wrong uh, and own everything. Right? Uh, one of my one of my things that I had to learn to, to navigate and overcome in therapy was uh, fixer and rescuer. Those are themes and words that people might come across, especially if they're trying to self-help uh, and self-diagnose through YouTube videos. And, and um, But yeah, so fixer and rescuer. And uh, what helped me at that time um, was to be able to put my thoughts to print. And my therapist encouraged me to write. And I wound up writing and recounting essentially what happened. And through mm-hmm. that recounting, uh, just, you know, roughly a couple days into recounting the story, uh, I had an early draft of a book. And what I thought was actually a really creative and neat read and with tons of enthusiasm and adoration, shared it with a couple, couple stakeholders in my life, like very close friends, you know, it was like, Hey, I'm writing this book. It's about what happened. You know, like read it. Please be candid. Um, I even got it to one of my old high school lit teachers, actually. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Who was so generous in in reading like 27 different drafts. Um, such a kind soul, and uh, and then started pursuing my master's in psychology. At first, it was marriage family therapy, and then when I got to the clinical portion, I realized this is going to take five to seven years. There has to be a different path and discovered positive psychology. Uh, and it was through, through this coursework um, that I, I understood that creative writing or expressive writing uh, is actually a, a, mod- a therapeutic modality. Um, and it's a thing and there is scientific research to support it. And that was kind of when the light bulb came on because I remember when I actually finished my book, uh, which took about a year Um, but when I finally finished my book, I had this overwhelming sense of peace and closure, uh, and acceptance. And that was a lot of what I was struggling with because the way the relationship ended, it, it was as if like the rug just got pulled out from underneath me, um, followed with basically like, I don't ever want to talk to you again. And I had no idea why. Um, and, and that was so, so just a significant challenge for me, right? And and I think for many who experience heartbreak, well, even if we do get closure, it never seems to be enough, right? Uh, and when we don't get closure, that is probably the most gut-wrenching thing for any individual to experience. I feel like there's a spiral, right? Um, and so for anyone who's listening and, and in a challenging relationship, I would encourage them, you know, seek the closure within. And if, you, and if you're the uh, one on the other side ending a relationship, really, really make sure that you create that space to that other person and, and give them the peace that they need to, to understand that this is uh, an ending to their story of the relationship, but it's not an, it's not an end to their story. How many pages did you write? And uh, that's a good question. It's Microsoft word. I, <laughs> I, I want to you know say how many I, words I, do you have a I, estimated word count. Like, is it like, I, like a massive or is it like a medium book? It, it is, uh, you're making me want to pull this up now. Um, oh, you're good. I, we have I, time. I'm curious. Yeah. Cause I know I mentioned before off camera, you mentioned to me that you started, you just started writing and writing. Then that next thing you knew you had 72 pages and you're like, Oh wow. I think I might have a book. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like did it end up like 500, but, um, uh, so the the draft that I sent to my editor, which I actually just got back a couple of days ago, so hopefully this is it. Um, it is a total of 119 pages in Microsoft Word, which translates, I got to move the video here, translates to, ooh, it's not even going to tell me how many words. Too many words. More hmm. words than Microsoft Word wants to... To, to inform mm. um yeah 119 pages and that was after countless rewrites man i, I can't mm. even begin to tell you countless rewrites actually at one point i wound up rewriting the entire 
second half of the book. Uh, like, oh, here we go. It just populated. It's over 35,000 words. Um, okay. Yeah. So I have a lot to say, if that's not obvious. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I, I, rem- I remember, I think it was my second or third draft I had got back from my editor. I, w- I wound up wound up doing quite a bit of rewrites, but I think it was my second or third draft. And my editor was just like, Hey, you know, like here's the thoughts on this version. You know, I feel like the last two chapters are a little fuzzy. Everything else is great. And I, I remember I was sitting, I was actually uh, in an Airbnb, gorgeous scenery in an Airbnb. And I sat there uh, with her feedback and I just clicked highlight and I deleted the last like nine chapters of the book like significantly more than she had recommended. Right. And wound up rewriting from that point forward. Uh, and then had gosh, probably two more rounds of developmental edits after that. Um, so this, this last round of, of editing was really more, um, uh, I, I forget, I forget what they refer to this stage of editing, but, uh, it was beyond the development. It was more re- finite right or 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 refining so it was more grammatical errors spelling errors etc mm. right but yeah there was about four rounds of developmental writing and uh yeah definitely gutted it at least twice and so hopefully this is it i have a little bit to touch on and, and i might add a little bit but uh that's roughly what it is and my understanding is whatever it is in microsoft word it usually translates to about one and a half to two times that in, in print depending on uh, the size of the book. So it'll probably be about 180 pages, which is what I was hoping for, um, to maybe 220 pages when it's all said and done. So gotcha. So, so you're saying it's a process. It's a process, buddy. It's a process. <laughs> yes, it is. And it's really funny too, because I actually, at one point I had, I had one friend very near and dear to me, uh, after, after probably the third or fourth draft that I had, right. Um, where I was like, Hey, final draft, you know, and this was way before I had gotten an editor. And then when I got an editor, uh, he was like, well, why do you have an editor? You know, just, just publish it. It's awesome, man. It's great. Like just publish it as is. stop touching it. Stop rewriting it. Just go. And I had that little voice that was like, that's probably not a good idea. And it mm. is such a different book now than it was at that stage. Um, so it definitely requires a lot of, a lot of patience and, a lot of retrospection, which I think is one of the the healing uh, benefits of, of expressive writing. You know, you really have to sit with it. It's very right. raw and very vulnerable. Gotcha, man. And you mentioned earlier that when you found out that creative writing was actually like a thing and not just something made up in your head, did you um, find any like notable studies or research that support the idea that creative writing can have a positive impact on mental health and your emotional well-being? Yes. Uh, yeah. Dr. John, uh, John's. Wow. It's late. Dr. James <laughs> Pennebaker, uh, I believe was born in 1950. Uh, so he's a little bit of an older gentleman, uh, pioneering psychologist, uh, for the field of expressive writing. And he had discovered through extensive research that the act of putting our thoughts and feelings into words can lead to a multitude of benefits. Uh, the process for expressive writing is actually referred to as Pennebaker's writing paradigm. Um, and it involves writing, uh, it involves individuals writing about their thoughts and feelings, uh, related to a traumatic event for, you know, a specific period of time. Uh, and one of his notable contributions to the field of psychology is this concept of writing therapy, uh, also referred to as expressive therapy, also referred to as creative therapy. Uh, and essentially what his research suggested is that writing could lead to, uh, psychological bene- psychological and health benefits, including uh, stress reduction, uh, uh, in- improved moods, uh, enhanced immune functions. Um, so his work, you know, really has a significant impact on this field, uh, especially in the areas of psychosomatic medicine, uh, which I think is something that one of your guests spoke to, Rachel, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, uh, and especially in psychotherapy, uh, which is really just uh, a strange name. Uh, for talk therapy so right yeah yeah i I hear psychotherapy i think as somebody like in a padded room and it's just like what's um like no i'm I'm totally off that name is totally totally different and uh, yes one thing it's it's a little aggressive yeah 
And uh, one thing that you spoke about in episode one that um, that actually I got a lot of good feedback on was uh, Pete, that you spoke about the need for safety, security, and connection. And how does creative writing provide a safe space for individuals to explore their emotions and experiences? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think expressive writing is, is uh, it allows for a safe place for self-expression because it provides an individual with the freedom and autonomy to, to process and, you know, journal their emotions or their experiences or particular events, um, you know, in their own setting, in the setting of their own comfort uh, and, and at will, right? So there's so much freedom that comes with it. And I think what's really cool too is, is because it is so accessible, right? It, it's a, it, 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 it's a method of healing that every single one of us uh, literally have within reach, whether it's pen to paper or, you know, the notes app on a smartphone. Right. And, you know, I think back to when I was growing up, you know, th- this idea of journaling, uh, I don't know why uh, it was segmented, but when I was growing up, you know, men had journals and girls had diaries. Right. Right. And so, you know, um, as, as a kid, I actually had a journal and I remember I would write my journal and I'd write, you know, like what my day was or, you know, today my parents fought it really scared me. Um, and so essentially it's that same process. And so for anyone who has that ability or even just your laptop, right. If you're sitting at work on your lunch break, taking a few minutes to, to just journal about your day or, or journal about your thoughts, journal about your feelings, it, it, it's really just a very, very accessible way to, to allow an individual to process without the need for, you know, wait lists and insurance and, you know, time, energy, and effort driving to or hopping on, uh, you know, a telehealth platform with a total stranger. One of the things in psychology, especially in therapy, is the significance of rapport and creating a safe space. Uh, and, and this by design, you know, that safe space is the individual and wherever they feel most comfortable. Gotcha. And um, first off, telehealth, I, I don't like it. I mean, talking with a complete stranger, it, it's just totally unnatural and weird for me. I'm just going to, that that's random. I'm just going to say that anyways. But I remember one thing you sent me, it was a paper that you wrote, and there's a portion of your paper that was, uh, it was a whole section, uh, I believe, and it said the accessibility of words. And when I think of that, I think of, like you mentioned before, you can type on your notes app or whatnot, or you can just, you know, um, depend a piece of paper and being so accessible, like you said, there's no, there's no cost entry, you know, unless you, you know, a piece of paper and a pen or your smartphone, you could, you could write on pretty much everything. And the way that you worded that accessibility of words, it kind of just had like a, it was going off in my head, like, all right, like literally anybody can write, you know, if they want to. And there's a couple things in that paragraph that I'm trying to remember, but I'm, I'm like getting clouded right now that you didn't mention. Um, I don't know if there was something that, that you thought of too, that maybe you didn't forget. If you think about what you wrote in that paper, um, in that paragraph, I honestly don't remember what it is. Probably yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I remember just discussing how, you know, we, we live in a very fast paced world and right. the pandemic really exasperated a lot of ailments. Uh, you know, we saw a significant increase in anxiety and depression and domestic abuse. Uh, you know, mental health really took a significant hit. And so we saw this, you know, significant increase or, or, or demand uh, for mental health clinicians. And unfortunately, uh, the demand for mental health clinicians is just not able to be met, one, because of staffing, and two, because of, of socio socioeconomic resources. Um, there's a ton of individuals that can't afford it. There's a ton of individuals that don't know how to access it. Um, and un- unfortunately, mental health uh, is largely determined by health insurance providers um, and politicians. And there's a lot of barriers to entrance and there's a lot of barriers to funding. Um, there have been legislation presented that supports the expansion of marriage family therapists um, into being able to uh, accept things uh, like Medicaid, which is something that 
if someone has substance abuse issues, they will usually get 30 days and unfortunately only 30 days, right? But they'll at least have uh, a short-term stay uh, in inpatient or they'll be able to receive additional care as outpatient. Uh, but it has to be with a licensed mental health therapist. And it's really interesting how sort of clinicians created this, this licensure siloing, meaning uh most individuals who end up in counseling, especially couples, usually don't know if that individual that they're receiving counseling from is a licensed social worker, is a licensed mental health therapist, is a licensed marriage family therapist, is a licensed personal count, uh, you know, uh, counselor, right? Like there's all these various uh, different modalities and, and different licensures. Um, and they are different, but there is a lot of overlap, meaning... Uh, when couples go through through challenges, it's not uncommon when you peel back those layers to discover that there are mental health conditions. And so how do you treat a couple experiencing duress, especially isolating them as individuals? If you if there is identified, uh, if, if it's identified that, that there are, uh, you know, mental health implications at play, um, you know, who's to say that a marriage family therapist can't treat that? I feel like they treat that often. Um, and, you know, everyone essentially uses the same handbook, which is referred to as the DSM-5, uh, which is the, actually, it's like the DSM-5.2. They just updated it uh, to, to include various inclusions, including pronouns. And um, uh, I, I think some key modifications were needed and, and, and they added those in this new revision. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're all, all using the same book, but responding and, and being governed by different licensure and that licensure dictates what insurance is, is accepted. And so it really, really, really creates just challenges and unnecessary challenges for an individual. And so imagine, you know, if you are going through something and you reach out to a therapist and the therapist responds with, Hey, you know, uh, your insurance was denied. You're not going to know, well, if I try again with a licensed mental health counselor, maybe I'll get accepted. You know, right. so now you're defeated. What's the chances that you're going to try again, right? So it's it's a very, very, very convoluted landscape and unnecessarily so. And this is, for me, when I stumbled across the research and, and of course, have having had my own journey and my own experience in understanding the significant benefits of, of, of writing uh, as a therapeutic tool. I was like, th this needs to be shared and screamed from the rooftops, especially with this, you know, significant backlog and wait list that we have. There's so many individuals who are, you know, thirsty for understanding how to navigate and heal whatever their experiences were. And to, to provide someone with a roadmap and say, hey, if, if you were to just journal or if you were to just write a story or write a letter or write poem, uh, you know, uh, um, yeah, just write, right? It, it could help with reprocessing and, and it could help with re-narrating that story and, and bring bring healing. And one stigma that I um, like to point out too is um, I, I believe a, a later question does kind of cover this too, but... Um, with the accessibility of words, some people think that, at least I think that some people think that they it's not available to them because they have this idea that when they write something down, they have to share it. And when, you know, yeah. you, you can you can write whatever you want. You don't have to, for anybody listening, if you want to write, and you don't have to show anybody. You, you can keep it to yourself. You can put it in your diary or in your journal or write in a notebook. You, you don't have to show a single damn person. I mean, that's one thing I, I want to make sure I get out before I forget about it. I think it might come up at a little bit later, but that's just one thing when, um, like you're saying, like we were talking about the accessibility, how you can, you can do it, but people have this just idea that if you write something that you're supposed to share it, like, you know, be like, Oh, I have everything I wrote, but you know, I, I can't share it on social media. I'm like, oh, well, don't then you don't, you don't have to, you can keep it for yourself. You don't have to show anyone. Yeah. 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 That's a great caveat, man. <clears throat> especially in a very connected world, right? Exactly. Um, there's, there's, there, there's many love over limerences posting, posting uh, their gut wrenching stories for others to, to read. Right. And yes, that That's is true. That, that is not the only path for, for, for therapeutic writing uh, and, and for healing through therapeutic writing. Right. It really is meant to be a self-guided 
process. And, and so, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, it, a great cost-effective alternative to traditional therapy is, is expressive and creative writing. And, and you can do it in any setting and share it with anyone or no one. Um, but as long as you, you as an individual are, are doing it, I promise you that uh, the potential improvements in overall well-being is is definitively sig- significant and cited in research. Absolutely. And um, when I write, I have kind of a specific routine. Like I, I asked, uh, like, oh, okay, Google, put on, or hey, Google, put on relaxing music. And then, you know, it's got to be, like, I got I have a specific chair I sit in. I have specific music on. And a lot of times I look at the page and I can't even, like, write anything whatsoever. And I've tried all these different prompts and all these different exercises that kind of like broaden the way that I write, you know, and may, whether it's a different style or a different type of writing. Would you have any like examples or like or prompts that are really effective for healing purposes that you'd like to share? Yeah, I love that, man. Um, I don't know why my brain was like, are there fuzzy slippers involved? Because that, <laughs> just, that just sounded very cozy. Uh <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, what I love about that is just the way you illustrated, um, you know, what that setting is for you and how that's like a consistent go-to, you know, yes, I often talk about self-love and self-worth and self-care. And from my experience, whenever I share that with individuals, whether it's just, you know, uh, like an individual on Instagram, right. Or, or someone that I am coaching, I've, I've one individual in particular, um, who is navigating the early, early, early stages of divorce. And he placed so much significance on this idea of marriage and placed his entire identity and purpose in the marriage. And so now that the marriage is, is really fractured. Right. And, and, you know, more than likely coming to to a separation to to a divorce right um he is so stuck on you know what's my purpose and who am i and so i really like to remind individuals like hey you know it starts with self-care so you know what you don't like right we we know that you're hurting we know that this is hurtful and so what is the opposite of that you know, what is something that brings joy? What is something that brings peace? What is something that brings surety, security, safety, significance, right? What is something that brings uh, just absolute laughter? Maybe not right now, right? Because you're sad and that's okay. But if you were not going to watch The Notebook for the seventh time and think about your significant other who is no longer, you know, would you laugh at Dumb and Dumber if you just put it on repeat, right? Like, would you start... Right citing the lines out loud right so what is it um so yeah for me i absolutely have rituals uh going back to that creative outlet like you music for me is is a beautiful place where i can go to to sort of get in my feels or to anchor right uh so if i want to feel a particular thing i'll usually use music um nature as well that is there is nothing for me uh like you know, there's nothing that can replace being outside, being in nature, connected, grounded, feet on the ground, no socks, no shoes, toes in the right. grass or toes in the sand. I'm grateful to to live very close to Lake, Lake Michigan. Um, and growing up on the East Coast, the ocean was always a draw for me. And so being able to go there and hear seagulls and have sand, you know, in my toes uh, and, and hear water, that is that is a very very uh, inspirational and healing and peaceful environment for me. So that those are usually my go tos. I don't necessarily have a single chair, uh, but <laughs> absolutely definitely have various settings. You know, outdoors and indoors, and, and music is a huge component of that. Gotcha. And also, I mean, I I have that specific routine that I do, but I also find myself like when I'm driving or like at work, I. I wait till break and I write down something I wasn't going to forget it or I'm driving and I have this idea or this something I want to write about and I might have to start or the middle or the end of it in my head. And I, I, I've pulled over before and then I just type it out in my notes app. And sometimes I don't make the notes app. Sometimes it's in a Google search or it's in a search bar and it's just like I got to creatively remember where I typed <sighs> it because I got to get get back where I'm going, you know. 
but yeah. it's kind of it, it's insane how like I, I have such a like there's such a specific uh, like style or I guess I wouldn't say style but like ritual for when I write but then the sporadic moments or it's just it's totally like uncalled for like you know I could be thinking like oh you know what am I going to eat and then it's like oh wow I I think I have a poem in my head and it sounds freaking amazing so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jot that down quick and then it's like all right do I want pepperoni or do I want sausage and it's just like, <laughs> like how do you I, I don't know how that I don't know how that flows together I have absolutely no idea and uh, this next question it's a two part one first one do you consider yourself a writer yeah I know you had asked this question yesterday. Right. I did. And so I'm going to, I'm going to change the thought process and how I responded then. And I'm just going to say, yes, I do. I I consider myself a writer, but, um, just a very, very green writer. Uh, There's so much more that I aspire to obtain and achieve and understand and learn. Um, but I say yes, because it's something I deeply enjoy and it's such a creative outlet for me. Uh, and the handful of times that I've had people say, Hey, you've spelled this wrong. Um, thanks. I really don't care for me. Writing is freedom <laughs> and it's expression. Right. Uh, po- poetry was designed to not follow, uh, the standardization of writing expectations just as song is just as art is right. It is freedom of expression. And that is something that I have l- cherished and I'm so grateful for having uh, and I have definitively had to work very hard at it. It's not an easy thing. Um, and so it's interesting that uh, you share, you know, hey, like I could be ordering pizza and then thinking about something. Um, right. Same. For, for me, it, it's, it, it often is sporadic. I can't tell you how many times I've finished a workout and I'm drenched in sweat. And I'm like, oh, man, I have an idea and I need to grab my phone and start writing, right? Or just in passing or just in a conversation with someone who's, who might share you know, a, a heartbreak. I had uh, an individual the other day reach out to me on Instagram. And I was like, oh, man, you know, this, this would be a great thing to share and post because it's relevant. It's real. It's raw. It's authentic. And I, for me, that, that's one of the most beautiful things about you know, a, a good movie, a good story, a good book, a good poem is you know, when it's raw and it's authentic, man, and it, it hits, we can remember that. It doesn't matter if there's spelling errors or not. It doesn't matter if Absolutely. there's gra- grammatical errors or not, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I I do. And and it's it, it's a work in progress every single day. Gotcha. And and for anybody who uh, who was curious when he asked about, I asked him yesterday, this is our second recording yesterday. We recorded the audio was pretty, pretty horrible. Very, very horrible. Like, so this, this is our second go around in case anybody... <laughs> In case anybody wants to know, and when I asked you before, you know, do you consider yourself a writer? And I, your 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 reaction was priceless. I wish that audio would have been good. I wish I I wish I could show that, but um, yeah. I was trying to think of between your answer today and yesterday, very similar, a little bit different approach. But I I, I totally get it. And um, coming from from my side of that, I um, if anybody listening doesn't doesn't quite know, I have a book that's written. I haven't had it formatted yet, and I plan to sometime, sometime publish it because I have this in my head where, like, you know, I have everything written and everything's good to go. But I'm like, I don't, like, I don't know if I, uh, I really want to put it out there, honestly. If I, I like, I want to share it with the world, but once you publish it and it's out there, then it's kind of, um, I guess I don't know if I could say the vulnerability factor or thinking like, you know, like, oh, then I. Then I would consider. Then I think, I think in my head, that's when I'd say I, I think I'm a writer now. Not when, for me, it's when I have something published. I mean, I can, I can see it both ways, and it's kind of been the, a push and pull. It's like you know, do I? Because if I want to, I can have it published like next week because it's all, it, it's it's kind of formatted. Okay, so the formatting process sucks. It's horrible. I can't do it that, I can't do it that well. I need to hire somebody to finish it because I honestly can't yes. figure it out. But um, I don't know the whole considering yourself a writer that, that it's a little it's a little difficult for me. I have a hard time kind of kind of processing and accepting it, to be honest. And um, I don't know. It's uh, it, it's like it changes every other day. Like if I write something cool, I'm like, cool, I'm a writer, man. This is awesome. And it's just like um, this is just words on a piece of paper. But, you know, it's the. Uh, words crafting on a piece of paper, like you were mentioning earlier on how, um, like, say, poetry doesn't follow 
uh, you know, doesn't follow punctuation, doesn't follow all the grammar because it's creative expression. And then when you mentioned that, I immediately thought of Rupi Kaur. I, I hope I say her name right. The um, I believe Punjabi Canadian. She writes in Punjabi where she she doesn't capitalize a damn thing. She doesn't use commas. She doesn't use. Actually, no, maybe she does use commas. It's either commas and periods she does or doesn't use. But it just looks like it looks like a Facebook status to be honest. But you know, it's um, I don't know if that's the new style now. Like um, like people don't capitalize stuff, and it a lot of times it it drives me crazy. But then I also read something that that's what people are reading and that's what people prefer because it's easier for people to digest than doing actual formal punctuation like we grew up and we learned. And I, I find that a little I find that a little crazy. I don't know if that if you ran across that where you have that trend of people aren't capitalizing anything or aren't putting periods or aren't putting commas. And then, you know, what the weird spacing where it's like, OK, it looks cool, but. It's freaking hard to read when you got like a line here and you got a line there and then like you got like seven spaces and then you have like a dot at the end. And it's just like, I mean, I get it. I I get the creative expression and I, I, I admire it, but I just don't. <laughs> some things I just don't quite understand. I don't know. I, I think it's just it's just an opinion I have. I don't know if you've came across that or not. Yeah, man. I think. Uh, I think. um it's just so interesting for me. It just goes back to, you know, that's art, art, artist freedom of expression. I was so blessed to have been able to spend time living in New York and um, being able to see, you know, various different, whether it was pop-ups, you know, or the MoMA, um, you know, true independent artists that, that hosted, you know, little pop-up events and like Soho Um sometimes we don't understand. And I think for me, that's, that's what makes it really intriguing and really cool. And I'm also reminded. Um, so to be candid with your audience, right? So yesterday when we attempted to record this and you asked that question, there was a, yeah. uh, a, a really quick no followed by an immediate hesitation on my end. Right. Yeah, there um, when was. I was asked, yeah, when I, I, was I, asked got you, I got you off guard and it was good. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I got and you I, good. I think it was just because, you know, I as well sort of went to that thought, right? Of like, well, I haven't launched my book yet. So who am I, you know, to, to claim that? Um, I do have various publications. I did get a poem published, right? When I was a little kid. Um, uh, and obviously, you know, and I've been writing for 20 plus years. But I think because of my age, um, for me, like I have this... I had this story and, and you helped me yesterday process this out loud. I had this story that, right. You know, like, a, well, a writer is someone who gets paid to write a, a writer is a Stephen right. King. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So like who the heck yeah. am I to say that I'm a writer, but then I'm reminded that, you know, there's, you mentioned rupee. She's amazing. Right. So, so Rupi is very good. Yeah. Started off as, as I believe she started off as being self-published uh, and, and yep. is tra traditionally published. Uh, and then R.M. Drake, right, also so really sort of transcended the way poetry is, is uh, received and, and written um, and, and right, very talented, successful, self-published self uh, independent poem that, that I follow on Insta that I love, TMC Poetry. Um, okay. They all, they all kind of follow that, that same pattern uh, but are a little bit different. And I think it's really cool. Um, my, my, I have a ton of poems that I, that I wrote as well. And I'm hoping to get, uh, I'm, I would like to publish after the book. Uh, and I've learned that my, my poetry is sort of all over the map. There isn't really a format or pattern. I can't put it in a box. Um, right. And I think ultimately that was what caused some of that hesitation when you had first asked that question, right? It was like, and that just feels like a very boxed, like, very official, very finite, you know, like, yes, all I do every day is get paid to write. Like that would be right. such a beautiful goal, but that's, that's not the reality, right? Both of us grind yeah. and this is such a passion and it's definitively such a purpose. Uh, but there are so many other, you know, things that, that we do throughout the day. So um, so I think that was where some of the hesitation came from yesterday, but yes, today, today I own it, Michael. So, <laughs> yeah. And when you, when you mentioned the, the, the word writer kind of puts you in the box, I think 
when I think of it, I think that it puts you in a box, but I also think that it um this might not make any sense saying it out loud, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say my thoughts out loud quick, see if it see if it jives at all. But I also think the word write if you think specifically as a word writer and labeling yourself as a writer, I think it also limits yourself because sometimes like I think of well, I think a writer, I think of uh, a creative, uh, a dreamer, an innovator, you know, a thought, you know, a thinker. But when I think a writer, it's just like I picture a dude just chilling there, you know, on his typewriter, writing stuff down. And like you said, getting paid to write. And so yeah. I think it's I don't know. I kind of <coughs> like the word I kind of like the word creative a little a little better over over a writer because, yeah. you know, writing can have, you know, you, you could write a screenplay, you can write a poem. Um, and um, when earlier when I talked about how I, I didn't quite understand how how people kind of ditched a lot of the punctuation and you know he said you know it's their art and you know some stuff i know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna understand and for a while i was well i see i guess i still kind of am in, into painting and i never understood how like monet's paintings are all dots and impressionalism and this is like or impression crap i said that word wrong impressionism but you know just having all these little dots and it's just like okay what um because when i first read about monet it, it was a very very zoomed in picture like you know kind of like you know pixels on a screen there's like all these dots I'm like okay what's this and then i saw it zoomed out and just like okay now i get it that that's absolutely amazing now it, it kind of clicks and i think maybe with the whole <coughs> like the i guess I, I don't know if you call it punjabi style because in punjabi i believe you don't have the capitalization i think that's kind of where that comes from because she's punjabi canadian and um i think eventually i'll understand it it just might take a little it might take a little bit for me to understand because like my editor is like I started kind of writing like that. She's like, oh, what's uh, what's going on here? Did we did we forget um, how to do grammar? I'm just like, I'm just trying to stay relevant, lady. You know, just just chill <laughs> out. It's, yeah. Um, well, to, to that point, the one thing that I've learned is authenticity is right. the only relevance. And how can someone who is new to creative writing and wanting to get started, if, even if they don't consider themselves a writer? Yeah. Um, so when I, I was, when I was writing this book, um, I had in my phone, this phone number of a, of an author. His name is Bob Goff. He's good. He's fantastic. Yes. Uh, I consumed his first book titled love does. And then I remember being in a Barnes and Noble and stumbled across his second book. This is probably 2018. Uh, called like late 2018, I think it was called Everybody Always, and okay, just fantastic reads. Um, but at, at the end of Love Does, he basically said, You know, um, like here's my phone number, call me. And I remember thinking, like, Yeah, there's no way, right? Is, but this is actual, actual cell phone number, is actual number, actual like cell real. phone number, yeah, okay, yeah. And this was like 2016, right? So this was way before it was cool. Uh, you know, as an influencer, uh, to to be like, you know, whether you're Gary Vee or Tony Robbins, right? Uh, to be like, hey, text me, you know, and then here's here's the number, right? It's like, okay, we all know that that's probably a WhatsApp or or someone else is responding, right? Um, but it, it was just like, yeah, call me, and I was like, man, this is so cool. And I remember sitting with that for a while, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be that creep that says, hey, this book was really awesome. Thanks for writing it. And I remember I attempted to call him a few times after I'd read Love Does, and he didn't answer. Um, and I, uh, I was discussing everybody always with a friend, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, like, did you know that he left his number?" And I was like, "Yeah, have you? I've tried to call him." And they're like, "Oh, that's so crazy! I've always wanted to call him, but I never did." And mm. uh, so I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna be that crazy, courageous guy that's gonna I'm gonna <laughs> call him, and then I'm gonna call you back and tell you I did it right." And so I remember I was sitting, sitting in like bumper to bumper traffic on 294. And I decided what the heck I'm going to call him. And every other time I called him, by the way, it went straight to voicemail. And it was this like, hi, you've reached Bob Goff. Please leave a message. And I was just like, okay, there's, I'm never going to get this human being, right? Like there must be millions of people calling him. I, I can't imagine right. One, one, right? Two, he apparently lives in California, but like travels everywhere. So like, what are the odds? And it was like seven or eight o'clock on a weekday. And I call and after the second ring, I hear, hi, this is Bob. And I just froze. What? Yep. Yeah. And he goes, hello. 
And I was like, Bob Goff? And he goes, yep. And I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, and that man gave me four minutes of his time. And, and one of the things that I had said was, I said, hey, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing this book. Uh, what words of wisdom do you have for me? You know, being a, 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 an aspiring writer uh, and, and someone who is hoping to get their book, you know, in a bookstore. And he had said, every book starts the same. And I was like, well, what's that, Bob? And he was like, they all start with one word. So just write one word. And then you're, and, and he was like, and that's how you become a writer with just one word. And so anytime I feel lost, anytime I feel stuck, anytime I don't feel the creative juices flowing, I always find confidence knowing that if I have one word on paper, I have something right. And so that's what I would encourage is, you know, just start with one word and see, you know, and trust the pen, trust the process, see where that thought takes you. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to follow grammatical and punctual, you know, uh, uh, appropriateness, like just flow and let it flow and be fluid and, and see what happens. I love that. Bob Goth is very, very talented man. And I'm, I'm actually kind of jealous. You're going to pick the phone. I was not aware that he actually put his number at the end of his book. I'm going to have, to, I don't think I have, have any of his books. I've, I've read part of one of them. I, I never, I'll admit I never finished it. And it, it might've been the first book that you mentioned, but it's been, it's been so long. That was probably like 2017, maybe. Yeah. Like, was that about when is when <laughs> Love Does came out, or pretty much? It, it was kind of close to that. Well, I guess it probably came out Gosh. earlier, but that's when I kind of remember. Like it was, it was a definitely a while back. But thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob, for sharing that with Paul. And now I know it starts with starts with one word. I absolutely love yes. that. Every writer and, uh, starts with one word. Yeah, that's true. It, it, it's very accurate too. It's <laughs> it's super accurate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, can you explain the concept of uh, narrative therapy and how it connects with creative writing for healing? And for anyone who doesn't know, so narrative therapy is a form of psychotherapy, right? So once again, referred to as talk therapy. Uh, right. and, and it's essentially a therapeutic approach that focuses on the stories that people like to tell. Um, we all like to tell stories. We get stuck in stories and stories are referred to as narratives. And those narratives shape everything from ideas, values, perceptions, emotions, uh, identity, right? Uh, and uh, this, uh, this modality was, was pioneered and developed by Michael White and David Epstein. Uh, I want to say, I think it was like the early 1980s. Um, and essentially what they viewed, uh, was that narrative therapy, uh, as a therapeutic, you know, therapeutic method empowers an individual to essentially reauthor their story. And it encourages an individual to essentially reframe and restructure that story in a way that puts them in a position of empowerment and eventually will promote positive change. Through this approach, uh, it'll essentially change perceptions. It'll change experiences. It'll provide individuals with a lifelong tool, uh, which essentially is writing, right? Whether it's 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 verbalizing it or actually writing it out uh, to, to to rewrite their life story in a way that really is is more aligned to their goals, their wants, their desires, their values, and and um, overall, by doing so, uh, promotes well being. Uh, and that, that's a big component of positive psychology. And, and that's, that's a big component uh, or, or implication um, uh, or outcome, I should say, of, of creative writing. Awesome. I, I appreciate the answer. I put that question down there because I honestly had no idea if it would flow with all the other ones, but I figure you probably knew the answer to it. So, so now I know what narrative therapy is and I did not. When you mentioned that about talk therapy and how it relates with creative writing for healing, I I see the correlation now. I understand how it kind of fits there hand in hand. And also I think that storytelling is probably kind of fits that same that same wheelhouse in there. And what ways does storytelling play a role in the healing process? Yeah. Uh, so through the power of of, of narrative. Uh, we are able to reframe, reframe our experiences. So 
essentially by taking control of our stories, we'll be able to eventually gain a sense of agency over our lives. And that can be very transformative. That could provide an individual with the opportunity to move from, you know, victim to authoring, uh, you know, achiever and overcomer, right? Uh, from, uh, you know, unworthiness, heartbrokenness, uh, to, to really finding, you know, a, a path to, um, worthiness and a path to self-love and self-worth. And so it, it's a really beautiful way to, to give an individual to the, the platform, the safety. We talked about that earlier, right? Uh, mm-hmm. A safe environment to essentially tell their story over and over and over again until that story no longer serves them. And then they get to change it. So it's, it's really, really, really cool. Awesome. I love it. And one thing that, um, that we touched on yesterday, yesterday and off camera was, um, when I mentioned before about the writing style, I, I forget exactly how we brought it up, but uh, the I am. Yeah. Do you want to explain? Would you care <laughs> to explain the significance of the I am exercises? Yeah. I think, I think the question was related to essentially, you know, so like, hey, someone who's going to start off writing, right? Like, where do they start? Right? You know, yeah. like, do they, do they try to write like Rupee? You know, uh, right. Uh, or or do they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or do they, or do they try to, you know, be a creative Instagram influencer like yourself or do they try to write a book? Right. You know, like w- what is it? And, uh, really like there's no wrong way. Um, but my thought process or at least something that I like to re- recommend is, um, there, there's five, five different approaches that, that I think are simplistic enough in nature that anyone could do. The first one would be to just write a letter to yourself, which is referred to as a letter of empowerment. And so write a letter to your yourself or your future self, providing words of encouragement, providing words of compassion, uh, providing words of, you know, uh, celebratoriness uh, about future attainment or achievement, right? Um, essentially celebrate and encourage and become your biggest fan. Uh, another one is free association, which essentially starts with a single word or phrase related to your emotions, kind of very Bob Goff-esque, right? Uh, right. Start, with a, start with a single word or phrase and then free flow, whatever comes to your mind without judgment, without structure, just go. That one I love, right? That's known as free association. And, and that to me is like, it's almost like the, the mind of a five-year-old, you know, the way a five-year-old can tell a story. <laughs> right. uh, They're very um, vivid. <laughs> very vivid, very illustrative. It's very all over the map, right? right. Um, so like, yeah, that's free association. Just go. It's cool. You know, like there are no rules. Um, another one is uh, writing a gratitude journal. Uh, this is actually part of my thesis, my capstone. Uh, so essentially every single day, just author three things that you're grateful for. Uh, this is a practice that I like to do actually when I go to bed. Um, and then it's a, it's a practice that I like to do first thing in the morning. So I like to do it, you know, immediately before falling asleep and immediately upon waking up, which is what am I grateful for today? Uh, and I, and so by focusing on those positive aspects, you can actually promote well-being uh, and, and really shift your perspective and over time uh, create a significance uh, in terms of flourishment. Uh, just by having a more positive mindset. Um, another one is writing a letter to a lost loved one. Uh, and, and that does not have to be lost in the sense of they're no longer here, right? Uh, that could be lost in the sense of we're no longer together, right? And sometimes mm. that, sometimes the grief that comes with mourning the, the ending of a relationship with someone who is still here but not with us uh, can, can be the deepest grief we can ever experience, right? Um, or someone who just, you know, unfortunately is no longer with us, right? And, and and maybe it was too soon, you know? It's always too soon, but, you know, maybe it was the loss of a loved one, the loss of a child, right? And so writing a letter to someone that we've lost, uh, whether it's through death, distance, you know, uh, or, or the expiration of a relationship, and just being able to express your thoughts and your feelings um, freely uh, is really, really powerful. Uh, and then the last one is the I am statements. That's something that that uh, I did and, and, I, and I like to do often. I like to revisit it, uh, but it's creating a list of positive I am statements about yourself. Uh, and as someone who's very faith-based, that's something that's very, uh, that resonates for me. Uh, you know, I, I think um, all too often we author stories of I am not enough. 
I am not worthy. I have no purpose, right? I am without purpose. I am without meaning. Uh, I am without significance. Uh, I'd like to lose weight, but I am just too busy. I'd like to get a better job, but I'm just not qualified. I'd like to get into a relationship, but I'm just not good looking enough. We're so good at going to the negative. But if you were to ask somebody, you know, well, what are the 10 or 20 things that you are really good at? What would that list look like? Um, that's very difficult for, for many of us. And that is also where that shift in perception could come from and where we could take control and reauthor our story. And so create a list of, of empowering I am statements. For me, some of those are, you know, I'm a leader, I'm a father, I'm a son of God, I am ready, I'm willing, I'm able to receive, I am worthy, I am loved, and I am loved. And saying those things daily and with conviction, I used to have them written out in my bathroom mirror. Um, uh, and my girlfriend, uh, bless her heart, uh, took them and actually put them in like a big giant poster size frame. Um, awesome. so yeah, yeah. So, so very, uh, just very grateful for that. Unfortunately, in this very small home that we're in, it's, it's framed and it's sitting on the, on the wall uh, or the floor of my, of my bedroom. Uh, <laughs> but in the, in the next couple of weeks we're moving and that is the first thing that's going to hang uh, somewhere, whether it's my office or, 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 you know, my master bath that is going up. And I'm so excited to be able to have that and bring that with and, and be able to see that daily. I think it's so important for us to remind ourselves that we are really incredible things um, and not necessarily from an egoic perspective, but, you know, we are, we do have purpose. We are built for purpose. We are built with reason. We are built out of love. And so therefore we are love. Right. Um, and so that's, uh, the, the, the list of I am statements is, is a profound, uh, writing prompt and exercise. I love it, man. I, um, when you mentioned that yesterday and we talked about the, I am prompts, I had kind of a, a little different understanding and I was having some difficulty doing it. And I, I started on today to see if I could actually like go and actually get something down. I, I think it, it's going a little bit better. <laughs> and um, this next question, wrapping up here, you answered, you answered a little bit of it. I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, what advice do you have for listeners who may be interested in using creative writing as a form of self-care and healing in their own lives? Is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, to, to coin the infamous Bob Goff, start with <laughs> one word. Absolutely. I, I, I love it. And it's kind of crazy how simple that sounds, but the actual like practice of it, it start with one word. Like, it's like, okay, all right. That, that sounds easy. Like, yeah, that after you mentioned that, I'm like, yeah, that's, um, that that's literally it. You got, you got to start with that, with with that one word. Absolutely. Love it, man. And again, Paul, I'd like to thank you for your time. I know you're fighting some allergies right now. Yes, the, the awesome. joys of the Midwest, as you know, going from sub 90 to 55 just flares yep. me up. So it's insane. It's insane. And also, thank you for being a trooper for uh, going through and having the second recording with our technical difficulties yesterday. It's been a little bit of a struggle, but I think I think we got it down. We got it down pretty well. We got it down really good. And uh, before we go, I need to know a few things. If uh, you get a list, your socials, also the title of your book. And if you have any idea when it's going to be available, because I know people are going to ask. Yeah. Thanks, man. F first off, thank you. So grateful. This is something that just I, I, I feel you clearly are doing out of the kindness of your heart, right? And so dedicating a Thursday night and then a Friday night. Uh, yeah, what a, what a reflection of the crazy lives we lead, right? I think the first episode we did was on Friday night and it here was. we are. Yeah. It was late we're... too. It was, it was like 11, yeah. 12 o'clock when we recorded that. It was, it was really <laughs> late. We were both like, how are, how are we still up? I don't know, but we're, we're going to do it anyways. Like it worked yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Last night was the same. And tonight I'm looking over at the clock. It's, it's almost 11. So, uh, yeah. so thanks, man. Thank you so much. Um, uh, I want to be like, you should give a shout out of your Insta handle too. And I'm, I'm sure he will. Um, uh, but yeah, for those listening, this is allocated. Continue to listen. This man uh, is an amazing Thanks, human being. Man. And I'm so Appreciate grateful that. for you. Uh, if you liked anything I shared, my Instagram handle, which is really the, the most active social media that I have. Yes, I have a Facebook. I don't really engage on there. 
my Instagram posts get shared on there. So you're welcome to follow that page too. Please do. Uh, but my Insta is where I'm the most active and that's love over limerence. You could also go to loveoverlimerence.com uh, to inquire about coaching uh, and to learn a little bit more about me as a, as a writer and a coach. Uh, and then my book uh, is currently titled You're Not Broken, a journey on love, loss, and learning how to let go. And I am very hopeful um, that I will be able to at least have an update on the status next year. My goal is to get it with a very specific publishing house that I have in mind uh, that I think is a good fit. We'll see what they think. Um, and so I'm really aspiring to go the traditional route. Uh, and, and I'm hoping that, that that occurs next year. And then from that point, it could be one to three years by the time they decide that they want to bring it to market uh, or it could oh, be wow. a couple of months. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so unfortunately, that's a very vague, ambiguous hang in there. Uh, but I promise it is done. It is ready to go. Uh, and you and I need to talk, by the way, because I think it's a great book for adoption of a miniseries. So, oh, yeah. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. But, right um, yeah. Awesome. So, I appreciate it, man. Again, thanks for, uh, for being on here. And, uh, again, guys, if you, uh, if you missed his handle on Instagram, I'm have a link to, to that and his website and all that in the show notes. Um, Anybody listening, I'd like to thank you for listening or watching this episode. If you'd like, please subscribe not to miss anything further. Again, I am Michael Hogman, and this is Allocated. Have a good day, guys.